Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, Aaron, did you see the Rogue One? Did you see the Rogue One trailer? I did see the Rogue One trailer. Of course I saw the Rogue One trailer. It was the (laughs) first thing I did this morning when I woke up. What'd you think of it? I thought it was really good. Are you excited to rebel? Yes, yes, of course. Um, I have it tattooed on my arm. (laughs) So... No, it was, did you, I'm guessing, it. did it drop like at midnight or when did it actually no, fl- come out? It came out at 7.46 this morning on Good Morning America. Okay, so I saw it pretty close to when it actually dropped then because I woke up, I was kind of still in my bed. Um, I'm not a morning person, so I tend to sleep in whenever I have the opportunity. So I actually woke up around 8.45, <laughs> which makes didn't me wake sound up really early? lazy. You didn't wake up early just for Star Wars? Well, I didn't know exactly when it was dropping, so I figured when I wake up, it'll be out there, and I can just open my phone up. It is, and I feel like it's a crime, maybe, to to watch a trailer like this on your phone because the screen's <laughs> so small. That's how I watched the, uh, the last one. Yeah, so that was my first viewing, and my eyes were still kind of blurry. I actually missed the fact that Darth Vader was even in the trailer. What? Until my second viewing when I saw it on a big screen sacrilege yeah so but yeah it was i thought it was really good i feel like the visuals in some ways look cooler than the force awakens did yeah someone brought up that they are doing a really good job with cinematography and making the empire feel really oppressive by shooting up like so when you're down on the ground on the planets and it just the camera angles up so you see the star destroyer just looming above you and you feel oppressed like the empire is oppressing everyone that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. But there is a lot of, like, ominous shots. You know, there's a lot of the shots with the Death Star, you know, kind of there. Oh, that one where it's, like, on the horizon? Right. That was gorgeous. Yes. So, And that seems to be a common theme, even in that very first teaser trailer that they, they showed at Celebration. Um, you know, you get the big, ominous, you know, Death Star kind of on the horizon. So... Yeah, it's it looks like it's gonna be pretty cool. Characters, uh, we're getting. I, it feels like they are giving us a lot more information about the storyline than yeah. we ever got for the Force Awakens in any trailer. Yeah, but in a way, we kind of already know more about the storyline for this one. Yeah, it's <laughs> almost by... maybe a little too much. I feel like like they're giving us know. too much information, but it is exciting. I I feel like everything I've seen about it so far has me excited and it doesn't have me worried there were things of the force awakens even in the trailers that i was like eh, maybe maybe i'm gonna like that maybe i'm not but with this one it's like oh, i think i'm gonna like everything yeah i'm just excited i need it to be well actually I need it to be november 15th so i can read catalyst and then it can be december 16th so we can all watch rogue one yes and we know catalyst is going to kind of deal with the relationship of uh Jin's father and Krennic and a, kind of all that stuff. Yeah. that's. I was surprised to see like little tiny Jin. Yes. Given that we knew Catalyst is covering this stuff. But I'm excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's going to be good. going to be good. But um, the – yeah, I guess I should announce the episode here. We are on episode number 63 of Star Wars Bookworms. 
And I'm Aaron Goins, and I'm here with a guest host, Bria, uh, who has been heard on the show before, and pretty recently too, just a couple episodes ago. Um, but we had kind of talked about how Teresa will be uh, taking a little bit of time off, and uh, especially for the episodes that we're focusing more on comics. Uh, so she, uh, Teresa will be back for when we review Life Debt, but for now she's going to take a few episodes off as we do some of these comics. So so lucky, lucky me, I get to hang out with Bria tonight. I am so excited to do this, especially if we're going to disagree about the book. <laughs> yes, yes. Darth Vader. They're calling it Darth Vader Book 2, right? Yes. I, I always get the titling of this stuff confused. Like sometimes they call them volumes, sometimes they call them books. You can call it either. Parts. Um I mean, with I think within the issues, it's calling it Book 2. Yeah, it's calling it Book 2, but usually tra- uh, comic book terms, you refer to it as Volume 2. Got it. So Darth Vader Volume 2 or Darth Vader Book 2 and it is uh, titled Shadows and Secrets, which is which is a pretty cool title. Dun, Definitely dun, a lot dun. of secrets. I don't know how many shadows there were. Five. Five? <laughs> I counted, counted them. <laughs> I, no, I did not count them. <laughs> so we will be getting to that review. Before we do, though, we wanted to cover a few other things. So our book club is going on right now and uh, we finished up with Life Debt. That, that chat kind of died down. But Ahsoka just came out on Tuesday. So we are going to do that in the book club. Um, I already have the chat or the uh, the forum set up over there. So if anybody wants to jump in and start talking about it, go ahead and head over there. And uh, we are going to be doing the Ahsoka novel definitely the rest of October. Probably some into November. I mean into, uh, yeah, into November. And then um, when does Catalyst come out again? November 15th. Okay, so probably... We'll do Ahsoka in the book club up until the release of Catalyst, and then we'll do Catalyst. So, so that'll be cool. But I know Bria. I actually have. I don't think you're part of our book club, are you? I don't think so. Okay, so you are. You can be an honorary member. Okay. And then after we're done recording, then become a real member. Okay. <laughs> you go. Over, I, I'm sensing a little bit of a hint going on yeah. here. <laughs> Head over to Goodreads. But we have. We um we I I think it'd be really cool to get some I know uh, a lot of the people that we talk to that read the books uh, tend to read them very early because they get review copies mm-hmm. and so then when we actually cover them in the book club all of those people have already read the book a long time before and don't typically jump in but um I think it would be really cool if you came over and and talked to us about Ahsoka I I will go to Star Wars Bookworms after this on Goodreads because it's not coming up on my phone. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I will send I'm you the direct trying. link. <laughs> okay. But yeah, you could jo- you can join in with us and uh talk the Ahsoka novel and um and uh, have you I'm assuming you've read it by now, right? Oh yeah, I uh I read it I think a week or two before it came out. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I am currently uh I just got it, the copy. I actually didn't end up getting a review copy, which Teresa likes to remind me uh, just about every episode. <laughs> Uh, she rubs it in that she got one and I didn't, but, uh, so I ended up just getting a copy at one of the book signings up in New York. And so I'm just now starting it. I'm think I'm on like chapter five or chapter six. So you'll be able to ID the chapter that I got very, very excited about very easily. Oh, really? Okay. Oh yeah. And now I'm part of the book club. I managed to get it on my phone. So nice. It's official. It's official. (laughs) Bria is now part of the star Wars bookworms book club. There we go. So we both did go to New York Comic Con. 
which just ended less than a week ago. And there was there wasn't a ton of Star Wars stuff going on up there, but there was that big um, Star Wars writers panel. That was a great panel, which you made it to. I actually yes. didn't, um, which I'm sure I'll get scolded for not going. But um, oh yeah, that's right. You were off doing Doctor Who stuff, there was a weren't Doctor you? Who panel that had all the you know the actors and the creator and all that stuff were there. I mean, it was hard to miss that one. I guess. And I knew people like you were going to be at the at the <laughs> Star Wars books one to kind of. Furiously Back me up, you know, covered. Yeah, I was following tweets and and making sure that I was staying up to date on all the uh, the announcements that were going on there. I hate how they do announcements in New York. I really do. Explain. They spit them out in twenty seconds uh, in the last five minutes of the panel, and all of us sit there go, "What? There, there's a what by who? A what?" And you're just like, "Whatever. We'll wait till the official site gets it, and you give up." <laughs> So what were kind of the big things that they announced? Um, so there's going to be a, I believe, a YA book about Jin by Beth Rivas, I believe her name is. Mm-hmm. And that'll be in the spring. And then there will be a middle grade book about uh, Baze and Churret, I think is that how you pronounce their names? Yeah, that's right? how I pronounce it. So Yeah, uh, they're gonna, there's going to be a middle grade novel about them by Greg Rucka which I'm very excited they are not letting Rucka leave the Star Wars universe. Um, so he is, they, uh, Rucka wrote Before the Awakening? Yes, he wrote Before the Awakening. He wrote the Han middle grade ones, The Smuggler's Run, and he also wrote Shattered Empire. Okay. So kind of if we're talking about the difference between a young adult and a middle grade, young adult would be kind of like Lost Stars mm-hmm. and um, Ahsoka. Yes. Like those style novels. And then the middle grade stuff is kind of more like Before the Awakening, uh, Smuggler's Run. Um, yeah, Moving Weapon Target. Weapon of the Jedi. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so just for, for people that don't, because when I first read it, I was like, oh, wait, what's the difference? And then I kind of thought about, okay, what what's come out before? And it makes sense that Greg Rucka is writing the uh, the middle grade one because that's kind of what he's done previously for, for Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's something about the 40th anniversary publishing program. I didn't really catch it. Um, yeah, I think they just kind of announced some of the stuff they were doing for, I guess, the 40th anniversary. Um, a lot of it's Rogue One related, it seems like. Yeah. I know there's um, some ebooks coming out, uh, junior novel. I'm kind of looking at the list here. We It's a lot of the typical stuff that we get. When it comes to this mm-hmm. stuff, like Ultimate Sticker Encyclopedia, um, which we probably won't review a sticker book on Star Wars Bookworms unless we get a lot of emails of people requesting that. Uh, they're going to do a visual guide that Pablo Hidalgo uh, wrote, which I guess will be in kind of a similar vein as the Force Awakens visual guide, mm-hmm. which those are like, for me at least, those have always been kind of required reading. I feel like they fill in a lot of the blanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting an art of book. Um, kind of scrolling through here, seeing what else. There's a coloring book. Oh, hey, I just I just noticed this. It looks like they're doing the same thing for the Rogue One novelization that they did for The Force Awakens. Okay. So they, sorry. So for The Force Awakens, they put out the ebook the day the book was released, but you weren't able to get the hard copy of the novelization until a couple weeks later. Okay. And going by the sale dates on here, it looks like they're doing the same thing. Huh. That's interesting that they're doing that for Rogue One. 
Yeah, I hadn't. I knew they weren't gonna. It was gonna be on sale the day of, but I hadn't heard this until now. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't heard huh. that either. Um, and it kind of made sense that they did that for the Force Awakens, just because of yeah. all the secrecy and everything. For Rogue One, I'm surprised they're they're sticking to that format because um, yeah. it seems like they're less secretive about the movie, and they you know even with the trailers, you know they're kind of giving away the basic storyline. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't seem like they would maybe go that way, but I guess they are. It might be the new normal. The new normal for the novelizations. Yeah, which is fine with me. Actually, it helps to avoid spoilers, you know. Yeah. Uh, when people don't get, you know, because we used to get the novelizations, you know, well before the movie would come out. Yeah. And so which you could I never spoil liked. everything if you wanted to. Yeah, I was never a fan of that personally. I've never been a huge fan of the novelizations, just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the Force Awakens one, which we ended up not even reviewing it on Bookworms, just because of how similar it was to the movie. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple things they added that were interesting to note, but really overall um, it was just a retelling of the movie almost frame by frame. Yeah. But I think when I was, I mean, there was some Leia stuff in there too that I liked, but for the most part I was like, oh, this is fine. Yeah. It's not like bad, but it's not Revenge of the Sith. Right. And um, and remind me who's writing the novelization. Is that Alexander Freed? Yeah, it's Alex Freed. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see if they kind of do the same thing with that one or if they give him a little bit more freedom to to fill in kind of what was going on in the heads of some of these characters that we might not be able to see on film. I'm thinking it's going to be the latter. You think so? Yeah. Just, I mean, it's a hunch. I don't I don't know anything for sure, but right. just knowing how much they loved Alex Freed's uh, Twilight Company, I think there's a chance they might give him a little more freedom. Yeah, I hope so. Because that's, novelizations tend to be better when they add to the story and not just retell the story. Yeah. At least for me as a fan. I mean, otherwise just watch the movie. <laughs> right. But the other thing that went on, or there were a lot of stuff that went on at New York Comic Con. I don't know if you had anything specifically that stuck out to you that you wanted to talk about beyond um, this this panel. I mean, the panel was great. If, you, if anyone has a chance, definitely go listen or watch the video of it. Um, there were some really great conversations going on between all the writers because you had both the, the novel writers and the comic writers up there. Uh, and then besides that, I mean, I didn't see very much because I was at the Delray booth like 90% of the time. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, there was actually um, somebody had posted, I think. I'm trying I think New York Comic Con posted or maybe it's Star Wars that posted it, but there is a full recording of the entire writer's panel available on YouTube. Yeah. So uh, if anybody does want to check it out, uh, we did we did link to it on our Facebook page if anyone wants to head over there and watch the entire panel. It's probably worth doing. You should watch it, Aaron. Yeah, I should do it. <laughs> <laughs> Catch up on last week's news, man. Uh, so um and then uh, Ashley Eckstein and E.K. Johnson were also doing book signings. I know they did some book signings at New York Comic Con, but then they, they did one at the Barnes & Noble in New York City. And so I actually had a chance to go to that event and got to get my copy of Ahsoka, got it signed, uh, got to talk to them a little bit. But I also got recording of some of of their Q&A. Uh, so about 15 minutes of audio I got. And... We were, we we're actually going to play that for you here on the episode, but um, just as kind of an explanation of how that's going to go before I play it. So the audio 
you can really hear the answers really well, but you can't hear the questions very well because the the um, audience wasn't miked. So, but you can kind of infer from the answer what the question was. So we're gonna kind of play the audio, but it's gonna be cut cut up a little bit. Uh, but you'll be able to to figure out what the question was based on the answer. And um, so basically, you'll hear you know Ashley or or um, E.K. Johnson. What's E.K. stand for? Emily Kate. Emily Kate. So you'll be able to hear from her as well. And then I'll put in like little audio cues uh, to kind of break it up. But we're going to play that audio for you now. It's about 15 minutes. And then we'll be right back with you. It doesn't really have to do with this book. But it has to do with the Clone Wars. So I figured if you guys are Clone Wars fans, you might find it funny. So um, the Clone Wars series has, had ended. And we had, um, as a, they made the show in San Francisco, but as a cast, we recorded in LA. Um, but they had a series finale rap party in San Francisco. So as a cast, we flew up to San Francisco and got together with the crew, and we all had this rap party. And it was kind of sad, because the series was over, and we didn't know if we were ever gonna work together again. And um, we, as a cast, we all went out to In-N-Out Burger. And uh, Dave Filoni, you know, our director, he, um, he, he bought our, our meal that night. So it was one check for the entire Clone Wars cast. And we were order number 66. <laughs> and we just stood there in shock. We're like, okay, Clone Wars is over. And so says in an outbreak. <laughs> So you said Order 66, yeah. I had to tell that story. I was, like, that's one of the reasons I put out, not In-N-Out Burger related, I've only ever been there once and they were lovely, <laughs> but um, the Order 66 was one of the reasons I put off watching The Clone Wars, so I didn't watch The Clone Wars until like 2014, because I was terrified. Like, I was like, I'm gonna fall in love with Rex and Cody, and then I'm gonna be really sad. And so I put it off for like six years, and then I watched The Clone Wars and fell in love with Rex and Cody and Fives and all of them, and was super sad. But every time there was a scene with a Jedi, I was like, great, <laughs> just fabulous. And then like every time Ahsoka was in danger, it was like, oh no, this time it's gonna be it, because <laughs> that was also terrifying. And so at the end of season five, when everybody was very like emotional, my first reaction was like, oh my goodness, Vader can't straight up murder her anymore. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> but at the time, it was very relieving. So I just remember sort of that was my experience, my introduction to the character. I started watching a little bit late. So I missed all of the sort of uncomfortableness yeah. at the beginning. Um, and also, most of my friends were girls anyway, so we were super excited to see her. Um, and then when they offered me the book, I was like, I guess I should watch Rebels. <laughs> it's a rough job, really. <laughs> I mean, if that's going to be a trilogy. Yeah, oh. no, yeah they, they, they know my number. <laughs> I mean, I will say this only tells a certain part of the time between Clone Wars and Rebels. So there's still so much more of her story that needs to be told. There's a lot more to tell. I will tell you, I, I personally do not know what happens after season two of Star Wars Rebels with Ahsoka. Um, Dave Filoni did say at Star Wars Celebration Europe that we would see Ahsoka again in Rebels. Um, he didn't say in what form. Uh, I, this is my personal opinion. I think Ahsoka lives 
That's just my opinion. Um, you guess? Um, but but time will tell, and I haven't recorded it yet, so I truly don't know. So you, if you're trying to get like facial expressions out of me, uh, but the truth, I really don't know. Um, I remember watching the end of season two of Rebels and just being like, oh no, not again. And then and then Ugly cried for like three hours. And then the book was announced, so like my phone started ringing. But um, my mother was furious because I hadn't told anyone. Um, and I just remember like the music and the animation and that like pan through all of the characters at the end being like, man, those people on Goodreads who are like, this show is too childish. I'm like, they're missing out big time. I actually spoke with Dave Filoni about this because I was really nervous knowing that there were other characters in the book. Um, and I didn't want it to be distracting to everyone because my voice is Ahsoka's voice. Uh, not right now, sorry, you're really not getting But my normal voice is Ahsoka's voice. So Dave said, he's like, look, you should narrate the book as though Ahsoka were reading the book. Um, and so that's what I tried to do. Now, the first day, I was just telling Kate this backstage. Um, the first day, I veered off a little bit. So behind the scenes, uh, some of the characters we... Uh, decided to give some of the characters accents. Um, you will no longer hear this, but we had uh, the two first Southern characters in Star Wars. Um, I had two Russian characters, two uh, Cockney characters, and then after the first full day of recording, I called Dave Filoni, and I was, because I call him Sky Guy, so I said, I said, hey Sky Guy, bad news. And he was like, oh no, Eckstein, what'd you do now? And I said, well, I might have turned two Star Wars characters into Southern characters. And he goes, oh no. <laughs> and it was silence. And I was like, don't, don't worry, we can fix it. We can fix it, it's not too late. So I just went back and I changed my tone. So it's as though Ahsoka is reading the book um, and I just change my tone as though it, if it's a guy, I try to lower my voice. Um, if it's a girl, I'll raise my voice. But it is still pretty much my same tone. So I hope you like it. I hope it's not too distracting. But um, it is as though Ahsoka were telling it. And I, I think that does help because there's, I mean, the writing's so good. Honestly, there are some chapters where it's, but it, it, it really is. There's some chapters where I felt like it was, as though it should be a monologue in an episode. And so I felt that if I didn't read it as that, it wouldn't do the story justice. So, um, so I hope you like it. Maybe a blooper reel. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's so many bloopers, y'all. Um, as you can hear, the Southern accent coming out. But it was I, three full days in the recording studio, about 10 hour days, so and then two days of pickup. So I would say about 35 hours of recording. And you are in a tiny little room by yourself and it's dark and you begin to like go cross-eyed, maybe a little crazy. So I can't, can't, can't promise, but I hope you like it. <laughs> uh, what was the most special part of like being part of this? Uh, all of my answers are kind of spoilery, but there's, <laughs> One section um, in one of the interludes, um, which I totally told from, stole from Chuck Wendig. Um, and there's one uh, line, and I think it's the fourth interlude, 
um, that was like, I wrote like 100% for me. And I thought for sure someone would notice and be like, you need to take this line out. <laughs> Nobody did. So um, it's still there. And in like four months, I'll start actually telling people what it is. But in the meantime, there was, uh, there's one line that I really love. I gotta go back and reread it. I'll tell you, you know what the book goes. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just reading your great words. Um, I'm, you know, I'm just so honored that we get more Ahsoka and more of her story. And I think, I, I, I'm kind of repeating myself, but it, there's so much character development here. I feel like it's so rare to get a character, to, or to grow up with a character. I mean, we've had six seasons of Clone Wars, two seasons of Rebels, video games, uh, comic books, now a novel. There, there's so much um, here, so much time. I mean, we've we've practically grown up with her. So um, I'm just excited we get so much more of her story. And um, I think you'll really like it. I hope you will. Um, well, I write, um, all of my other books are YA anyway. So um, hitting sort of the YA voice is kind of like my job. <laughs> um, and then, so I just basically took what I had already with Ahsoka and was like, what if she had like literally every terrible thing you could possibly imagine happen to her? Um, happen. And, and then she has to get up the next morning and keep going. And so I guess um, one of the things that Dave had said when uh, we spoke very briefly was um, to remember that she's funny and to remember that the person in the galaxy she was the most connected to was Anakin Skywalker. Um, and basically anytime you need either one feeling or the other, uh, you, can just, you can just reach for it there. So that's, that's basically what I did. I didn't have to deal with um, her getting too far out of the, the Clone Wars age, um, but it was, it was sort of, you can sort of see her on the track to where she's going to show up in Rebels. And for me, we, we worked consciously on the transition of my voice from Clone Wars to Rebels. And so Dave actually reminded me, he said, okay, you've been in Rebels territory now that she's older. He's like, you need to go back. Um, so I worked so hard to get to the older voice and he's like, now forget all that. Go back to when she was younger. So it was like, I, I uh, re-listened to the end of season five, of um, Clone Wars season five to kind of get back into to that range. Um, but you'll even read. I mean, Ahsoka's in a little bit of a darker place. Obviously, this is after Order 66, so she's certainly not bright and cheery. Um, and it's funny Dave told you that she's funny, because I always tried to get some laughs in there, and he was like, oh no, Ahsoka doesn't laugh. <laughs> I'm like, like, okay. I have, I have my notes from the phone call, and like the, the, those are like the two things in caps at the top of the page. I should, okay. I should have taken a picture. I'm going to call him and tell him. <laughs> The thing that I love about Ahsoka is she is the eternal optimist. To me, Ahsoka represents the light side. And actually, and I don't know, again, this is my personal theory, but the Convery bird at the end of season, uh, or at the end of um, season two of Rebels, that bird, if you look closely, is the same color colors as the daughter from Mortis. And the daughter represents the light side, and the daughter gave up her life for Ahsoka. I think there's some sort of connection there. Don't know what it is. But to me, Ahsoka's always represented the light side. And no matter what bad things happen to her, 
And yes, she sees the, the, the bad side. I mean, she walks away from the Clone Wars because she's exposed to the bad side. But she's always going to see the cup as half full. And she's the eternal optimist. And um, without trying to spoil anything, like Kate said, there's a lot of bad things that happen to her. Um, and I think you'll see the same old Ahsoka throughout this story. Her, her you know, true character will continue to shine through. My answer was going to be, she always comes up swinging even when she doesn't mean to. So like every once in a while, she'll be like, here we go again. <laughs> um, because that's just, that's just who she is. He was. He was. But um, the, the very last lines, he wasn't. So obviously when he said, and now you shall die, um, he, we were not in the room together. So um, he was there up until that point. And, um, and it really was kind of life imitating art because I, I thought that Matt and I would never record together again. And then we got this special gift where we got to do another episode together. But I, I realized, I'm like, this is probably the last time. And, um, and I hope I'm wrong, but then I don't know. I don't know if I want to soak Invader to face off again. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely an intense recording because I, I, you know, after almost 10 years together, it was probably the last time we were in the studio, uh, recording together. So it was definitely a sad day. Oh, no. I was, I was I, about to say, was the real question, did you meet James Earl Jones? <laughs> no. Um, apparently, he, uh, he was in London doing some work, and so he recorded his lines from London. So I wish. But I did get to be in the studio one day with Sarah Michelle Geller, and she's pretty amazing. So is Freddie Prince Jr. They're all amazing. The whole entire Rebels cast, they're absolutely incredible. Um, and Clone Wars cast. I mean, uh, everyone's like a family including Star Wars fans. I, I, we were just saying today, my friend Tracy's in the back, just how the Star Wars community, it, it just, everyone's so kind. And, and the, the, the cast, the crew, the fans, everyone kind of, um, everyone has the same vibe about them. Star Wars fans are just the nicest, truly. So thank you for coming, being so kind. Oh, goodness. Um, no, I did not get to go on the Force Awakens set. Um, I did get a chance to meet Daisy Ridley, though, when I was in London for Star Wars Celebration, and she's super awesome. She's just as nice as you would think she would be. Um, and I got to touch her armbands, which are really cool. They're basically just like ace bandages. They're, they're, they're not that hard to make, to be honest. So I might have to make some myself. Yeah. There were a lot of really good, like very short people, like very short little girls dressed up as, as Ray at, yeah. at Comic-Con, and I was at Salt Lake um, earlier in the Comic-Con season, and there were tons of them there too. It was just amazing to see. I will tell you one last thing. You will get to, to hear about how Ahsoka gets her lightsabers in the book. It's really, really cool. I mean, how cool was that for you to write that scene? It was moderately terrifying. <laughs> but also, um, afterwards, there was a note from Pablo Hidalgo that was like, this is really good. And I was like, yes. <laughs> I can show my face in public again. <laughs> so, yeah, it worked out well. So, have you listened to any of the audiobook, Bria? Um, no, because I'll go insane because I read way too fast. 
So uh, if I try to listen to an audiobook, I'll just be sitting there like I could have read this entire book by the time you read one chapter. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely slower to go through an audiobook than just sitting down and reading. Uh, for me, I actually have a decent commute, so it's kind of nice to have that option. So I mm-hmm. tend to get almost all the books on audio. I still get the hard copies and try to read that way as well, but I like to have the audio um, as like supplemental material. Mm-hmm. So I have been going through the audiobook for this one. And um, it is, it's interesting to hear Ashley Eckstein, so the voice of Ahsoka, do an Ahsoka novel. Um, only because she, you can tell that she, she's very comfortable doing the voice of Ahsoka. But beyond that, <laughs> it doesn't seem like she's super comfortable. So Aww. it's been a it's been an interesting experience, um, but it is it is good. I I like I like the fact that they got her. I think that's really cool that they did get her. But you can tell it's not something she does regularly. Yeah, but I've um, heard it's fun though. Yeah, uh, and in kind of in the audio that we just played, some of her answers about the way she decided to do the voices and stuff. Um, that's per- it's pretty interesting, but it's it's always good to have Ashley Eckstein, Eckstein take part in anything that has to do with Ahsoka because it's kind of her it's kind of her baby kind of kind of yeah well her and her and uh Filoni you know they're yeah Yeah. equally responsible for the character I think joint custody right um but yeah so that's that's been a good one I don't know I I I know you finished the entire book I'm having I, I think I'm about five or six chapters in and it's 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 getting started pretty slow for me that'll be like that for the first half okay yeah i thought the first half was i liked it i didn't love it okay so and i I will say that um when i'm reading this one i can definitely it feels like it's written to a younger audience Mm -hmm. a lot more so than lost stars when i read lost stars i just felt like it was another star wars novel for this one i do feel like it's kind of geared more toward a younger audience which makes sense you know it is a yeah a young adult novel, but I didn't get that feeling quite as much from Lost Stars. No, I agree. It feels a little more middle grade than it does YA. Yeah. So, but um, before we get into our Vader review, though, there is a little <laughs> bit of news that is related. Awesome, awesome news. And, you know, it's whatever, you know, it's just, just another announcement of another Marvel series. It is not. It is not. How dare you? <laughs> so I will, I will give you the, uh, y- you do this one. I shall. So, uh, so Vader number twenty five was released yesterday, and at the end no there was spoilers. a big question. Spoilers, but honestly, so we'll say spoilers here because, yeah, in order to announce this, you kind of have to spoil something. So, for anyone who has not read all of the Darth Vader series up through issue twenty five, and you don't want to know what happens to you know certain characters, you might want to tune out for the next few minutes because we're going to talk about. Something that we can't help but spoil based on, based on you'll hear. So go ahead. And honestly, I mean, if you've been on the internet at all, you've probably seen the announcement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So the big announcement is that Dr. Afra is going to get her very own ongoing comic book series. And this is a big deal because number one, she is the first like newly created character, um, like created for the comics of the books to get her own series. She is also the first woman to get her own ongoing series from Marvel. And so for me, I'm really, really excited. It's going to be written by uh, Kieran Gillen. And then uh, Kev Walker is doing the art. 
and it's going to start in December. And I'm super, super, super excited to get more of my girl. <laughs> so Dr. Afra got her own series before Princess Leia did. Ongoing, yeah. Right, yeah, because Leia only got a miniseries. Yeah. Lando got a miniseries. Han's getting a miniseries. And then they give Afra an ongoing? She is the only one, like, besides Vader and Poe Dameron, to get an ongoing. That is interesting to me. Yeah, because Kanan didn't technically count as an ongoing, apparently. But, yeah, I... It's awesome. <laughs> it is. I know you're a big fan of the character. Um, I actually, as I'm getting further into the the Darth Vader series, I'm starting to enjoy her more. The first volume, I was just like, eh, not. A, I wasn't a fan. Um, second volume, I actually am starting to to kind of uh, understand why people like her a lot. But this, to me, is interesting just because I've been one of the things I've been uh, critical about Marvel for with the new stuff is that they they're staying they're staying safe you know it's all these you know main main movie character story focused uh, series and then they prove me wrong and go way off base here and do a Dr. Afra series which I never you know she was not even on my possibility list of ever getting her own series um is the character that popular or is it has something to do I with maybe is. the writer of this series has a lot of sway um, I really think it's that she's that popular. And to be honest, there's a lot of people at Lucasfilm who love Afra. Um, I mean, you were there in New York Comic Con, Matt Martin. I met him when I was dressed as Afra, and he was like, <laughs> "Yeah." Um, I mean, they love her. The Star Wars editorial staff loves her. And if you can keep Karen Gillan writing for you, you do it. <laughs> right, and that's kind of where I felt like where I was saying maybe the writer had some sway. Um, because I, I feel like think... maybe a different writer couldn't have gotten this done. I mean, okay, to be honest, the people they've got writing Star Wars comics right now are their A and B list. Yeah. They've got they've got very good writers up there and, and doing it. I think it's because the character is, number one, that popular, which I know because I actually got, when I was walking through the con hall, I got a fair amount of, oh my God, it's Dr. Aphra. Like, people were really excited to see my costume. Um, and number two, I, I just think it was just such a good fan response, and it just makes sense for this to be what comes next. Yeah. Like, if in the context of the Vader book, it makes sense for this to be what comes next. Yeah, and I love it when these publishers uh, latch on to original characters like this. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good that, you know, they didn't they're not just relying on a Luke story, a Leia story, a Han story, that they're they're taking a chance with this and saying, No, this is a character that we created that we really like, the fans seem to like. So let's give let's give the fans a series about her. And I yeah. think that's really cool. And I think that that makes me as a comic reader hopeful for similar things to happen to other characters that are brought in. Um, yeah. that it's not always going to be, you know, just the film characters that get their own series. Yeah. And I think for me, it's saying a lot that the breakout character characters from the comics and the books have so far been women of color like that. Because I would say Ray Sloan has been the big breakout character as far as the novels go. Yeah. It seems like she's um, the one that, yeah, she kind of as far as new characters, new canon characters, she does seem like the one that's really standing out so far. Yeah, and I just think that's 
incredibly awesome. And I'm glad to see that Marvel and Del Rey are encouraging. And there's another word I'm looking for. I can't think of what it is, but just that we're getting these characters and they're getting to be in the spotlight because that's something I miss from the old expanded universe is that there were so many characters that were built up there who could, who could at various points carry their own book without needing the big three in it. And so I'm glad we're starting to see new characters come in and take over that mantle. Yeah. And even if you, you kind of go into uh, even some of the younger reader stuff, like junior novels, the servants of the empire stuff was Zara Leonis. Mm-hmm. You know, they, that's a character. Now I know he wasn't created in the books, but he was created as a second, very much a secondary character in um, Star Wars Rebels. And then they spun off an entire uh, junior novel series about him, which, you know, is another character that they really, you know, kind of invested in and it seemed to work out and he was very popular. So it's, yeah, I'm, as this new canon is, is continuing to develop, I'm really excited about where they're going. Yeah, same. So we are going to review, um, so since we already are talking about Afra, and I'm sure we'll talk about her more, uh, we are going to review Darth Vader, book two, Shadows and Secrets, uh, writer Kieran Gillen, artist Salvador La Roca. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was released all the way back January 5th, 2016. So that was <laughs> quite, that was uh, what, nine, <laughs> over nine months ago. Uh, someone could have had a baby in that amount of time. Oh, but we... <laughs> So we do have a spoiler policy that we wait at least a month after something's released. So we are well beyond that. So we will be fully spoiling this uh, comic volume and obviously publisher Marvel Comics. Um, and I am once again uh, once again, going to give you the privilege of, of going through. Now, this isn't the summary. This is actually just the opening crawl to the first issue, but it kind of does set the story. Okay. Disorder engulfs the galaxy. After the destruction of the Death Star by a mysterious four-strong rebel pilot, the Sith Lord Darth Vader was deemed responsible by his master, Emperor Palpatine. Now pursuing his own agenda, the pilot's identity, Vader recruited bounty hunter Boba Fett and archaeologist Dr. Aphra. Pitted by the Emperor against a new array of rivals for his position in the Empire, Vader's rage at being doubted was compounded by an even more shocking revelation. The rebel pilot he sought was actually the son he never knew he had. Now, alongside Aphra, the Sith Lord returns to his home planet of Tatooine to the former homestead of the pilot, following a trail left behind by Boba Fett and the young Skywalker. Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> so we get Vader back on Tatooine, and I think um, there were there were some things that happened in the Star Wars series, right, where it's kind of overlapping with this, where he goes to Jabba's palace. That was, yeah, that was in the first arc. So the first arc of Star Wars and the first arc of Darth Vader really overlapped, um, especially with that last, the last bit of like issue six for both of them, where he finds out that the pilot is his son, I believe, is when that happened. Okay. This one, yeah. He was at Jabba's palace at the beginning of Vader one. Okay. Number one, yeah. So so I will admit, this uh this comic volume it's there was a big gap of time between when I read the first volume and when I read this volume and I just reread it again before recording so it's pretty fresh in my mind but a lot of the details and how it connects back to the first volume are kind mm-hmm. of lost on me now um, and I think with just trying to intake all of the the stuff that's coming out it is things start to kind of blur together for me and like get, <laughs> I get mixed up on like what happened where and and that kind of thing. So 
as we review this, um, I know you're a big fan of this series. I'm kind of yes. hoping that you can keep us on, you know, the right path as far <laughs> as what we're talking about a little bit more, probably better than I can. Um, but we might be a little all over the place. I did take some notes, so I did want to mention um, some things. But so I thought that Afra had a really cool insight as they were, you know, kind of going through the homestead and looking at the evidence that was left behind by the confrontation between Luke and Boba Fett. Yeah. And where she kind of says, you know, if the stormtroopers hadn't come and like killed Luke's family, he may have never joined the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And then, which wouldn't have led to the destruction of the Death Star. So I, th- I thought it was some interesting insight from her. Revenge is one hell of a motivator. Yes, yes. That, that is a, a, an exact quote from the, the comic. It um, is. <laughs> that I just <laughs> I read. have it in my hands. I wouldn't have remembered that, but I just read it right before we started recording. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was some, some pretty cool insight. Um, and then. That's something I liked about this entire arc is that. Well, not just the insight, but rather that we had to see Vader confront Anakin in a way because we see him back like on Tatooine in the Lars homestead. And then later we see him having to think about Padme again. And I just really liked how they wove all of that in. But he never really cracks and lets Afra see like yeah. how messed up he is at that point. Yeah, he's he's a hard man to read. You wouldn't want to pay, play poker against him, that's for sure. But the um, – so I feel like there's an interesting parallel here that I just picked up on, and maybe you picked up on this already, uh, or maybe I'm just way off base. But you know how when they first introduced Ahsoka as Anakin's um, Padawan mm-hmm. and everyone was kind of thrown off because they're like, mm-hmm. Anakin doesn't have a Padawan. He wouldn't have a Padawan. This makes no sense. And then it kind of, you know, over time, everybody just accepted it and everybody's cool with it now. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading, even through the first volume of Darth Vader, I remember thinking, like, Darth Vader wouldn't have this girl kind of tagging along with him. Like, he wouldn't. That's just not Darth Vader. He wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And then I was, like, scolding myself for saying that because I'm like, wait, we all said the same thing about Ahsoka. And in, in a way, <laughs> this is almost like the dark side parallel mm-hmm. where, like, Anakin had Ahsoka and now... Anakin slash Darth Vader has Afra, yeah. Uh, which I that didn't come that didn't come to me until reading through the second volume the second time. I was actually reading an interview with uh, I believe Gillen where he said that Afra is meant to be Vader's foil. Okay. Because you can't. Because one of the things about Vader is he doesn't really talk much, and contrast that with Afra, who has a tendency towards like nervous talking because we saw that in the very very first volume so she's able to sort of they're able to play off of each other in a way so you can see you get more out of like what vader is just by what afra says if that makes sense yeah and she's okay so she's dr afra yes she is an archaeologist she is an archaeologist and what else she's like something to do with droids um she's an archaeologist and as far as the droids went um I believe I can't remember exactly what it was in the first volume, but she was she needed them because there was some language in one of them for some find she was trying to do. That's how the murder bots ended up coming into the picture. Okay. Um, but now, so triple uh, zero and BT, they have to refer to her and Vader as their master masters. Yeah. Okay. So, because I was trying to remember, like, what is what her motivation was? Like, what is the reason why she's 
kind of with Vader. What what's her end what's her end game? <laughs> and I, I might find out in future issues, but I couldn't remember if there was something that was revealed in the first volume that I was forgetting that kind of explained her motivations to even join up with Vader or if she was kind of forced into it. Well, to me, it was part like she didn't necessarily have a choice at some, like a little bit, but also because she just wanted, I feel like she saw it as a challenge, you know, and it's something to do because she, I mean, there was that whole, there's that one line where she's like, you've, you're what I've been waiting for all my life. And I remember like out of context, it just sounds hilarious. Uh-huh. But within the context of that issue, it just was like, oh, like she's not. I mean, they pitch her. They talk about her as being like Indi- a dark Indiana Jones, but she's not out there being like this belongs in a museum. She actually does like finding and then getting rich when she sells the things. Right. And also, I mean, let's be real. At this point, she's so deep in with Vader. You really think he's going to just let her go? Well, and she's already kind of resigned to the fact that he's going to kill her. Mm-hmm. And then she even says, when you do kill me, you know, she wanted it to be, I forget how she words it. Lightsaber. Yeah, she wants it to be lightsaber. She wants it to be quick. And not the airlock. Not the airlock. Okay, yes. Yeah, I remember now. I so... remember this when you get to the last volume. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Got something in my throat. Yeah. This is an interesting way for probably for you to review a volume that you read a long time ago and then you know what happens after this and I don't. So yeah. So you're probably tiptoeing around details to not spoil. So it's, I, it's a little it's a little tricky, but thankfully I think I, I just read these a couple weeks ago. So right. I appreciate yeah. that though. I'm trying. I'm trying really hard, but you might want to remember that <clears throat> conversation. Excuse me. But I do I did appreciate the fact that she is gaining confidence in her interactions with Vader. Mm-hmm. And she even, you know, she, part of her mission is to find out information about Luke. And, you know, she goes to Naboo and she's trying to verify that, you know, Padme, that the Mm -hmm. child was born and all that stuff. And she gets information and actually withholds it from him. Yeah. Even though he knows she knows and she doesn't tell him. And um, that's, you're, you know, you're kind of, you're playing with uh, (laughs) fire there. It's pretty ballsy. Yeah, so Can I, I say that I did it. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> I did appreciate that though that she's really you know she's standing up to him and kind of uh, not just she's not just his lackey. You know she's yeah. got her own goals, her her own you know desires and all this, and she's she's actually she's his, she's his lieutenant at this point. Right. So I, I did like that, but kind of uh, rewinding back to the the homestead, I did yeah. I found it interesting that they wiped it out. Mm-hmm. which is something I don't think had ever, you know, we'd never seen that before in Star Wars, kind of what happened to the Lars homestead. Um, yeah. And that he actually just wiped it from existence with some kind of cool bomb that does that. That makes sense, though. I mean, this is Vader we're talking about. Yeah, right. He doesn't, you know, doesn't want to have that memory, I guess, kind of looming over him. Yeah, and I mean, even, I mean, He's using Afra to go do all of this stuff, but he's very, very protective of his Skywalker secret. Right, so and Afra doesn't no idea. Right, she has no idea, which, which you would think she's gonna start to maybe start to figure it out, especially since, you know, the whole Naboo thing. And I don't know. I feel like there's there's gonna be more and more evidence that starts to pile up where she starts to figure things out. That's Once certainly again, a theory. Don't spoil me. I said, that's certainly a theory. Yeah. <laughs> it's all I'll say. 
But there's a lot going on in this uh, with you have, you know, kind of Vader taking out a crime lord to help out the huts. Mm-hmm. You know, you have all of these. One of the things that I've that, that I found found weird about volume one were these this group of people that the emperor had kind of had going on in secret that were possibly going to replace Vader. Uh, silos, uh, his trainees. Right. And yeah, I always found those, those people kind of weird and they all make a, an appearance in this one as well. Yes. Um, the twins make sense to me. The, mm-hmm. like the, the calamari mon- guy with the, ro- the grievous. With the Darth- yeah. The grievous body. That's, that's a weird one. Yeah. But it's clearly like grievous 2.0, which is cool. Like, I feel like is it was it cool, just kind of like they, they went with a calamari guy. <laughs> like they couldn't have found I mean, a more intimidating looking alien. It's twisted. Yeah, I guess it is twisted, but it, visually, it's it's almost comedic. Yeah. I guess the only thing worse is if they did a gungan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, now that image is gonna stay with me for a while. Thank you. Right. Maybe that'll happen in the Doctor Afro series. Oh God! From but, your lips to the Marvel editor's ears. They don't listen. <laughs> but yeah, so there is a lot going on, a lot of characters to kind of keep up with, and there's only six issues, and I felt like it covered a lot of ground. Yeah, one thing I liked about this arc is that it felt like a very smooth continuation of the first one. So it didn't feel like its own distinct entity. Where, um, whereas in the main Star Wars book, they're not only going and telling a brand new story with every arc, but they're switching artists. And that's something that was very unique to this book is that they kept the same creative team throughout. Yeah. Which I liked, but especially for the first two arcs, it just feels like one smoothly told story. So we get kind of Afra. She's got a little bit of a crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and she ends up betraying most of them. But Bosk is kind of the only, you know, recognizable character as far as like being in the films. Um, but we get IG-90. Who's red. So, yeah, so not IG-88, like we know him from the movies. Um, there's, it's IG-90, which I don't th- – you don't watch the Freemaker Adventures, right? No. Okay. I You yelled at me about this last time. <laughs> yeah, get to it. But, um, no, the um, – so there is a joke in the Freemaker Adventures where they talk about IG-89 mm-hmm. and how he's one better than IG-88. So I found that very humorous that now we have IG-90. So, um, and I didn't know, you know, I know there's a lot of collaboration with story group stuff and like, I kind Mm -hmm. of wondered if there was intentional humor there, but, um, and then you have the little guy, uh, B-Box, which (laughs) made me laugh. He probably shouldn't have, but he made me laugh a little, (laughs) which is he, do we, are we supposed to know what species he is? I don't know. I was assuming he was like, his armor looked sort of Mandalorian, but definitely it looks Mandalorian, but he is of small stature. Yeah. Um. Uh. Like of extreme small stature. So yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I. It almost would be funny if he turns out to be an Ewok. Which I was I, just about to say that. <laughs> which I don't think he will because they don't tend to speak basic. But this um, maybe this one's special. Okay. Adopted but, by the Mandalorian family. Which did happen in at least in the Legends universe. They they took just about anybody in. Yeah, I I love that about the old ones. But yeah. But um. I'm thinking Ugnaught, and this Ooh. is why, because going back to Freemaker Adventures, there is a joke <laughs> about it. I know Freemaker Adventures isn't canon, but um, they they make a joke because the young kid in Freemaker Adventures disguises himself as a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. And that's where the whole joke with IG-89 
comes in because he's like, ah. I am this guy and I'm the I'm the most dangerous Ugnaught bounty hunter in the galaxy and this is my partner IG-89. And then the joke goes from there. And I was thinking, if the, because he puts on a helmet, he's very short, and he's with a with an assassin droid of the IG series. And so I was like, oh, maybe that was a reference to B-Box, and that was kind of indicating to us that uh, that he was Ugnaught. I don't know. So that's going to be my guess. You're solving all the world's problems tonight with through, the Freemaker Adventures. <laughs> Freemaker Adventures. Uh, but yeah, watch that show if you haven't yet. And I have a podcast about it called Star Scavengers, so check that out too. It's on iTunes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, just yeah, super short um, super short bounty hunter who we don't know what species he is. Do we find out later? I don't mind if you spoil me. I don't think we do. Okay. I don't remember seeing him besides this arc. I think Africa kind of ticks them off because she keeps a lot of the money for herself slash the Vader team. Right. So, I don't remember seeing them, yeah. So in the first issue, um, well, let's talk about Tag a little bit. Yeah, and uh, Inspector Thanoth, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Thanoth. Yeah. Um, so Tag is like Vader's superior, which really surprises me that I guess Vader has been so disgraced because of his, you know, mess up and losing the first Death Star that mm-hmm. the Emperor has really, you know, you know, put him down. Yeah. He and, done messed up. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I find that interesting that Tag is in, and I feel like Tag would maybe be a little bit less cocky about it because he knows Vader's powers. I mean, he was in the room when Vader like choked out that, that one guy in, a, in mm-hmm. a New Hope. So he knows what Vader can do, but he's, he seems to be pretty confident in himself and not, not too nervous around Vader. I think he's taking advantage of the moment because Enjoy I think a part can, of him, tag. exactly, exactly. But he also knows that there's nothing Vader can do to him right now. As long as Vader is out of Palpatine's favor, which he definitely is, he but, can do whatever he wants. But Vader's known to have a temper. I mean, I know he's no Kylo Ren, but he, you know, just in an instant could lose his temper and just snap Tag's neck. You know, he could. But which I, think I don't he think knows... would really, you know, I, I, the Emperor would probably be annoyed by it, but. I don't think there would be a lot of repercussions for him. I agree to an extent, but I think that he Palpatine is so ticked off at Vader right now and so intent on making him learn a lesson that any any little misstep Palpatine will take advantage of. Because Palpatine yeah. is very much not nice. No, he's not. That guy's a jerk. <laughs> but, yeah, so there was the other, you brought up uh, Thanoth. And mm-hmm. so he's basically like the Sherlock Holmes of, of Star Wars, it seems like right now. I mean, I know Thrawn is kind of the Sherlock Holmes of Star Wars, but this guy really, they had some lines in the comic where he's straight up, you know, he's figuring out what planet somebody's on based on like the dust on their boots. I mean, that's straight up Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah. And his little monocle. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't know. What what did you think about that character? Was he a nice addition? Did you enjoy him? I liked him because it, it meant that there was a challenge for Vader and for Afra. Because Vader's running his whole everything that Afra's doing, he is. It's a big secret mission. Because um, Vader does not want Palpatine to find out what he's doing. So I think it's really neat that you've got someone. It's just different levels of who the enemy is. So when you have, when you have Inspector Thanoff in there, you have someone who is 
who's on to him in a way. He hasn't quite figured out what Vader's doing, but he's aware of it. Whereas with Tag, Tag's just kind of enjoying his power for the moment and just lording it over Vader. So have we seen the last of Thanoth? Uh, no. Okay. I don't think so. The way that the story wraps up, it almost seems like Vader has kind of gotten away with it. You know, the whole, the money heist, Vader goes, takes out the Rodian crime lord, and then steals his fortune, basically. And he got then, away with it, but I'm pretty sure he's back. Okay. Yeah, because that was... volume three is too far away to reach. Because <laughs> part of that was, it almost ruined the magic for me with Thanoth. Because he did seem like he was really smart, kind of nothing got by him. But then in the end, yeah. Vader kind of really put one over on him uh, pretty easily. And I think maybe that has something to do with Thanoth. Really, there's a blind spot there for Va- with Vader where mm-hmm. he's suspicious of just about everybody else. But with Vader, he just kind of you know, thinks he's a loyal Imperial and never has him in his sights. Yeah. I'm having to be very careful with what I say right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> But um, yeah, so that was that was pretty interesting. You know, you have Afra running around the galaxy, trying to stay one step ahead of everything, and then gets gets almost caught. Um, mm-hmm. You know, toward the end, but eventually, you know, they they set their sights on a bigger a bigger fish with the with the rebellion. Um, what was the name of that group they were trying to kill? Oh God, um, crap! I don't know. <laughs> uh, plasma devils. Yes. Yes. Plasma. That's a great name. Which did they? So they revealed that it was like a, I don't know. Was it just like a fighter squadron? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Because originally they kind of sold it as they were some sort of, um, you know, criminal organization. But then they you, they show them and you're like, oh, they're just a, they're actually just part of the rebellion, which I hey, guess to the Empire is a criminal organization. But and also don't forget the wraiths. The wraiths were great at crime and being a fighter squadron. Right. But not canon. Shh, <laughs> just let them be pirates. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I don't know. Did you have anything? I know we're kind of we've jumped all over the place and talked about a lot of the different characters. Did you have anything? Favorite characters? Favorite parts of this this comic that you wanted to point out? This is the one with all the Naboo stuff, right? Yes, they go to Naboo. Because There's a guy that actually was part. Did the body? Yeah, took the, care bo- of the body. Yeah. yeah, I loved that that part. Um, where she kind of just shows up. And I, I love that she was able to figure it out and that no one up until this point had thought to go, like, it just surprises me that Palpatine never went and was like, yeah, so Padme was still pregnant when she died, right? Because I feel like that just shows part of Palpatine's arrogance in a way, that he was so sure he, he had won and that his victory was total. He didn't follow up on it. And I just, I loved the conversation she had with the mortician. Where she's just sitting there and it's just like, you're you're gonna have to tell me. <laughs> and she talks about her past, yeah, which um, which humanizes her a little bit, gives us some backstory, and I know she even gets into a little bit of sarcasm where she tells a story that's not necessarily true, um, and she's mm-hmm. kind of very sarcastic about you know her actions that she took, um, but she's coming from a war torn you know family, and uh, it's not a she didn't have a happy childhood, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Also, <laughs> LaRocca drew one of the best Afro faces. I just love it. She's just making this like really irritated, displeased face. And I just have a screenshot of it saved on my desktop because it cracks me up every time. 
Yeah, there are a lot of good expressions with her um, throughout the comic. Yeah, that one's a particularly good one. (laughs) (laughs) But this was the one point of the comic, and I can't remember in Volume 1 if we got moments like this with her, but she, she, in what happens to the guy, and I'm not remembering the, the man's name on Naboo, me neither. But the fact that she kind of allows the droids to torture him and then eventually kill him, mm-hmm. um, you know, she she definitely is part of something that is very dark, and it's hard to look at her as somebody that isn't a straight up bad guy. I see her as being more morally gray. Yeah, you got to keep the droids happy somehow. <laughs> right, let them let them entertain themselves by killing this poor innocent man that has a giant family that you just looked at a picture of. There was no way. I mean. He has like 10 kids. He wasn't, yeah, but he wasn't, I mean, okay, I don't condone it, obviously, but there was no way that they could let him live. Like if someone found out that someone was poking in to Padme's death. Yeah, it was more self-preservation for her, probably. If Vader, you know, Vader sends her there, and if he found out that she let the guy live, then that's going to be her own death. Yeah. Um. So it's self-preservation, I get that. But just in colluding with someone like Darth Vader, and what it allows or what it forces you to do mm-hmm. and the fact that, you know, people that are completely innocent, I had almost hoped that they had you know, this, this guy on Naboo, that they had almost revealed some thing that he had done or some devious deed where he didn't feel as bad when he died, but he was just a completely innocent man who was friends mm-hmm. with Padme. And it was really sad that he, you know, he had to die at the hands of Afra, which yeah. makes it harder for me to like her, to be honest with you. Eh. Eh, it happens. <laughs> I just want I'm just I, the murder bots I like them too they're yeah they're great I liked that um triple zero kept talking about how much he liked to play hollow chess yes he just kept bringing <laughs> it up so, and isn't he like not very good at it no he yeah he was just like yeah I'm not good at it but I'd like it yeah because he had to delete it so he had more uh more space in his memory banks right. for like how to torture different things and I just like okay <laughs> But he has sympathy for droids. He's like, oh, those poor droids when they're on Tatooine. He's like, they died. Like, he doesn't care that like there's dead people everywhere. The poor droids. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a... Um, he's kind of like Mr. Bones in a way. Except Mr. Bones is a good guy. And much but, less dancing. But it's got the kind of just that murderous way about him that he just wants to kill things. Yeah. Um, you definitely get that in, in Mr. Bones as well. Yep. But um, what's the name of the Wookiee? Kersenton? Kersenton? I'm not good at Wookiee names unless it's Chewbacca. There's like no vowels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at it earlier. I'm like, I don't know. He's pretty cool. Yeah. I yeah. like him. And he shows up in the Star Wars series too, right? He will be in. I don't. Yeah. He'll yeah. be there. Okay, cool. <laughs> You'll see. I was flipping through a comic, uh, which I do sometimes, even though I'm not that far ahead. I'll pick up an individual issue and kind of flip through, and I remember seeing him. I believe it was him um, in a confrontation with a character that I won't he's say. On, but... He's on a cover. Okay, cool. Doing that. That's probably what you're thinking of. Yeah, but it looked really cool. Some really good art in that one, too. Yeah. Actually, what do you think of the art for this? Because, I mean, I'm... I've been a fan of LaRocca's style for a while because I really liked what he did on Invincible Iron Man, but I'm not sure how people who aren't quite as immersed in comics feel about it. 
it's one of the ones that it's it's not bad to me mm-hmm. and it's not like like wow to me okay. there's certain times where I'll, I'll see an artist and i'm just like wowed by everything they do and then there's ones that i just it's just not my style he is just standard to me it's like standard comic artist that um it's not distractingly bad and it's not distractingly great it's just mm-hmm. there um i did feel like with afra there are different times where i just felt like her face looked a little different a couple mm-hmm. times, depending on what angle he was portraying her at. Like, there, I remember specifically there was one angle where she, they showed a profile of her, and she had a very sharp nose. Hmm. And all throughout the rest of the comic, she doesn't look, you know, she has more of a rounded nose. And so that one kind of stuck out to me where I was like, oh, that doesn't look like her. Um, huh. But, yeah. But I don't okay. know. I don't know. You said he does Invincible Iron Man? Iron he Man? did. Okay. Uh, he did a run. Oh, God. Must have been 2009, 2010. Um, he did a really good run on Invincible Iron Man with Matt Fraction, okay. where it was similar to how the Vader book did, where they just it was the two of them as the creative team throughout. Um, and the colorist, I can't neglect the colorist. I don't remember who the colorist was for Iron Man, but um, I would be it would be bad if I did not mention they also really enjoy Edgar Delgado's colors on this book. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was I liked it just fine, um, and. I, that's one thing I feel like Marvel has done very well with all the new series mm-hmm. is they've they've gotten really good artists across the board. There's not I can't really point out one series so far in the new Marvel canon mm-hmm. that that I thought was like ah uh, I don't like that. There are definitely some Dark Horse ones where I was just like eh, I'm not a big fan of that artist. Um, mm-hmm. For for the most part, they they seem to be getting some really top notch artists and writers. Yeah, they've been they've been pulling up their A and B teams for this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to some of the series I haven't gotten to yet. I know Phil Noto is involved in more than one of the series, right? Yes, he did the artwork on Chewbacca, and he's currently on the Poe Dameron ongoing. Okay, and he's he's one that I just really enjoy his stuff a lot. He's one of my favorites, so I'm looking forward to getting to those. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff out there. We we got to talk about all of it, man. Yeah, there's def- definitely. Um, this is one of my goals. Um, is kind of getting caught up on some of the we had gotten pretty far behind on the comic volumes and I think I counted today how many there are right now that are out that we haven't reviewed yet and it's somewhere around the number eight or nine so so there's there's (laughs) a we definitely I kind of want to try to hit like one a week for the next couple months just to get caught up let's do it (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah so I think we kind of covered most of what happened in this one I don't know if there's something that I'm missing that we should bring up. I think we got most of it. Um, they're just, I mean, I liked how it ended and it's, it sets up for what's going to be a really great crossover between the Darth Vader book and the Star Wars book and Vader down. And I really like how they set that up. But Yeah, we have Vader another. flies off kind of on his own. Um, mm-hmm. Aphra's like, hey, do you need somebody to go with you? He's like, nope. And he flies off. And then we get the final, the final scene with... Um, with Calamari and Grievous. Yep. As the send off. <laughs> yep. I'm sorry. I just can't take that character seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say a word. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I, for the most part, I'm enjoying the Vader stuff. There are some things here and there that pop up that I'm just like, eh, you know, but I am enjoying it and I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what happens. I know there's, there's Vader down and then there's two more volumes after that. 
Yes. It, it ends in issue 25, which I know a lot of people were really sad when they announced the ending of this one. Yeah. I <laughs> I was amongst them. <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see Afra in her own series um, and kind of where they go with that. Uh, I'm sure I'll have a little bit more context on where it might go after mm-hmm. I read the rest of Vader. Just but, a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because this is, you know, this is a Vader series, so it's very much Vader focused. But when you kind of switch the focus to Afra, uh, that could really change the story a lot. Yeah, and I'm interested to see if you start to, because I feel like you're starting to come around on her more and more. That always happens to me with characters in Star Wars, uh, especially an original character. Mm-hmm. It's I'm always very hesitant, and then the more material they show up in, the more I really, you know, start to jump on board. Um, so the Just fact that wait. she's getting her own series will probably help me in uh, starting to appreciate the character more. Just wait. By the end of the series, you will be here with me just going, Afra, <laughs> talking about how much you love her. I'm calling it now. It'll All right. happen. All right. It probably will. I, I tend to try to try to like characters, and especially if it's a character that I think is going to stick around for a while. It's like, what's the point of not liking them, you know? Yeah. You yeah. Know, you, you might as well try to like them because they're going to be they're going to be around. So Exactly. Um, yeah, so I think that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah. this has, uh, been a good, good time talking. I'm, you're like the perfect person to talk this series <laughs> about. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on when we hit volume three or I guess even Vader down if you're interested. I love um, Vader down. But we'll, you will definitely be our go-to person when it comes to this, this series for sure. Excellent. And, um, yeah. Do you have, uh, anything you wanted to share with the listeners as far as, I know you're writing reviews for the comics at Big Shiny Robot. Have you oh, yeah. anything else going on that you wanted to share with people? Um, yeah, I just started doing uh, trade reviews of the comics for Big Shiny Robot. So I'm working my way through the Vader series right now, and I might switch to the Star Wars series or maybe go over to one of the um, the miniseries next. I'm not sure yet. But besides that, you can find me over at Tashi Station where more Star Wars stuff and then whitehotroom.com, which is my geek fashion blog. All right. And then as far as for the show, we are looking at Life Debt and the Lando comic uh, volume are kind of on our radar as far as the things that are coming up that we may be reviewing in the near future. Um, You can find us on Twitter, as always, at Star Wars Bookworms. Email StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Star Wars Bookworms. You can leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't done that yet and you listen to our show, if you enjoy our show. We'd love for you to head over to iTunes, leave us a nice five-star review. Um, And Teresa should be back with us soon. She's definitely going to come back on for any of the novel reviews that we do. So Life Debt is the next one um, that you'll probably hear her on. And you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at IceColdPenguin. You can find me at ABGoins. And until next time, keep on reading and may the Force be with you.